success of NBA 2K11, we all know. Uh, over 5.5 million units sold worldwide, over 20 Sports Game of the Year awards. Uh, and a lot of expectations, a lot of people asking us, how are we going to top 2K11? Uh, what kind of things you know, are we going to pull off that really set this game apart and you know, get our fans to, to purchase this year's title? Because many were content with last year's game. Uh, I think we really put together a really, uh, really well-designed feature set, a really well-thought-out feature set with you know, features like NBA's Greatest, uh, the Association Online, huge My Player improvements, tons of gameplay, gameplay improvements. I really think this year's game is very special. Uh, I felt incredibly strong about NBA 2K11. Uh, that turned out really well. I think we really, really, really pulled the rabbit out of the hat with 2K12. Uh, I think fans are going to be ecstatic about this year's game, and uh, let's get to the questions. Right on. So with that, we're going to kick it off with the NBA's Greatest questions. So the first one is... The Michael Jordan content in 2K11 was incredible and a game seller for many. With the addition of numerous basketball legends instead of just one, how deep of an experience can fans expect to have? Uh, obviously, the NBA's greatest feature was something we kind of built out of, you know, the Jordan Challenge from 2K11, uh, which featured 10 of Jordan's most you know, memorable games in our, in our eyes. Uh, the NBA's greatest actually takes, you know, 15 of what we consider to be the the greatest and most influential players in NBA history and really puts them in the spotlight. So just sheer number of games alone, which is a terrible uh, judge of depth, uh, we do have 50% more games than last year since each legend has one, one game highlighted to them. Uh, the actual overall depth of the feature is staggering, though. I know that uh, a developer insight went out today on our NBA 2K Facebook page that really detailed some of the presentation aspects of the NBA's greatest games. Uh, if you go back and read my earlier developer insight on NBA's Greatest, you can really kind of piece together just the amount of work that we put into the game this year. So as far as the question of how deep the experience is, I think it's incredibly deep, incredibly enriching, and ultimately a huge learning experience for NBA fans of all knowledge levels. Right on. Thanks, Eric. Uh, the next question is, how much infighting came about with the development team when you were selecting the legendary players and teams? And were there any good ones that got left out by a thin margin? Uh, I think Mike can back me up when I say that we have a bunch of strong minds on our team, uh, a bunch of people who, you know, really have strong opinions on what they want to see, and there was definitely a lot of uh, fighting going on about which 15 players we were selecting. Uh, I don't really want to talk about any guys that got left out by a thin margin. I really want to focus on our 15, but I can say something that we kind of didn't, I guess, didn't have a lot of foresight on initially was that we came to an agreement on the 15 guys, you know, after weeks and weeks and weeks of arguing. And then it kind of hit us that we have to pick who the 15 opponents are going to be, which was turned out to be just as big of a challenge because uh, people are really passionate about then getting you know, their guy on the opponent team and just really showcasing as many legendary players as we can. So it was a big fight, but at the end I think it ultimately led to a great product. Right on. And going back to the presentation you were talking about earlier, the next question is, when moving through the different eras of basketball, does the game change uniforms such as high socks, short shorts, and announcers? Uh, yeah, we definitely went to as many era-specific details as possible when recreating these challenges. Uh, I know there's some gameplay footage out there for the Bill Russell game, and just watching that, you can see those knee-high socks, the very short shorts, the almost elastic-fitting uniforms. Uh, just every detail we could think of, you're going to notice was thought about and executed on in these games, and that goes down to you know, the black and white grainy effect on the Bill Russell game. And when you move into the early 70s, you have the Jerry West kind of pastel colored games uh, on into the washed out 80s games. I mean, it just goes on and on. Uh, this was a very big feature for us, and pretty much no detail was left untouched. 
Right on. So what type of research went into getting the classic rosters, uniforms, courts as accurate as possible, and was it more difficult than getting the current stuff correct? Uh, it was considerably more difficult because it wasn't as simple as, you know, turning on the TV and finding the game on to watch, which is obviously very easy to do with any game played. You know, current time, I can access League Pass for my iPad, for example. I mean, I have, I have full access to any content I want. Getting a lot of these 60s teams and 70s teams was a really big challenge for us. Uh, getting the uniforms and courts, that's not terribly difficult, but getting enough quantity of footage uh, to assess things like signature shots and just general tendencies uh, was a big challenge for us. But fortunately, we do have a great partner in the NBA uh, who went above and beyond in helping us to really recreate this experience with full 100% authenticity. Right on. And speaking more to the presentation of games played in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and early 90s, as they all have different visual styles that represent their respective era, was this difference planned from the beginning to continue the game's trend of authenticity? Uh, yeah, definitely. When we outlined this feature, when we listed out all of the things that we wanted to do to really set these games apart from just you know regular quick games, NBA Today games. Uh, and that went down to the crackly, poppy, lo-fi audio you hear in that Bill Russell game to the different camera effects we have going on, just all the overlay styles. We wanted to do as many things as we could to not necessarily differentiate it, but to make it completely authentic to that era. Right, our next question is, players look different throughout their careers. Which looks will we play as with the legends? For example, Young Jordan, Fluffy Hair Larry Bird, and the goggled Jabbar. Oh, you're actually going to... We have every... Every player here is specific to their team, so we have that 1965 Jerry West, and we have the 71 Jerry West, and we have, you know, the young Abdul-Jabbar when he was on the Bucks with Oscar where he's got the chops. Um, we got the, you know, the mid-'80s Kareem with the goggles and no hair. Uh, you'll see the players definitely progress through their careers depending on which teams you're playing with. So it's not just Kareem in the game. It's Kareem, many different eras of Kareem, and the same can be said for a number of other players. Uh, specifically, you'll see a second-year Kobe Bryant with the pro. I mean, we've really gone, you know, to all ends to really create uh, a true definition of the NBA's history over the last 45 years. And I can't say it enough. That's something you'll continue to see in this mode. Right on. Next question is, with the addition of all the new legends, will we be seeing the classic team rosters expand from what we saw in last year's Jordan Challenge? Uh, yeah, I mean, last year's Jordan Challenge, there was, you know, a finite number of teams in the game. I think it was... I don't know, top of my head, maybe like 13, 14, 15, 16 teams. Uh, this year's NBA's Greatest has 34 classic teams. Uh, if you take into consideration there's only 30 NBA teams, we really feel like we've you know, almost doubled the amount of content in the game this year. Uh, and almost like we created two games in one in the, in the aspect that we have all 30 NBA teams with all the love that we've always given them. And then we have these 34 classic teams on the same level where these players have signature shots and you know, all their tendencies and player faces and just all the details that go into that. I think the value within this title is probably more than we've ever given to our consumers. So obviously something we're very excited about. And, uh, yeah, classic team roster is big this year for sure. And this is the final question we have for the NBA's greatest section. Will any of the NBA's greatest be integrated into other game modes? Uh, the way it works as, for, as far as getting these teams outside of NBA's greatest is that whenever you, whenever you win an NBA's greatest game with a focus player, so, for example, when you play the Michael Jordan game against the Hornets, when you win with the Bulls, those two teams become available for use in other game modes, such as quick game or playoffs or season or you know, any of those. The association, you can do whatever you want with those teams once you've completed that challenge in the NBA's greatest. Right on. 
So next up, we're going to move on to my, some My Player stuff. Uh, the first question in this section is, what are the newest features that make the most impact on the My Player mode? Uh, My Player mode uh, saw a number of improvements this year as people kind of read through in My Developer Insight. I don't know if there was any one thing that stands above the pack. I thought we really had a lot of features that kind of, you know, gave it the whole new appeal that it has this year. Um, I think some of the highlights for me, personally, that I think will really make the biggest impact is the experience once you get to the NBA, or getting to the NBA, I should say. Uh, last year, you kind of had to play the draft combine and the summer league, which, while authentic, was kind of a somewhat dull experience in that you had a good five or six hours of, you know, playtime where there was no commentary, no presentation, no crowd, uh, really nothing that kind of got you amped up and, like, you know, this build-up to your NBA career. Um, this year, it's all about that rookie showcase. It's a coming together of all the top rookies in the draft. Uh, it's high energy. Uh, it's exciting. You really have that one game to showcase to the GMs and scouts that you have what it takes. Uh, and it's all led up with, you know, the pre-draft interviews where the GMs are asking you questions. Um, David Stern, fully, fully integrated into the game this year, complete commentary and all. Just a lot of things going on in the mode. Contracts, you know, where you can earn money, spend your money. Uh, tons and tons and tons of new press conference questions, over 500 this year. Uh, just an endless list of improvements. I think my player probably got the single biggest upgrade in the game this year. Right on, Eric. Thank you. That's a really good overview. Um, so jumping down here, we're going to take a look at the next question. In the developer insight number 10, the shot compositing mechanic was discussed. Can you describe that mechanic in more detail and explain how it is integrated into the My Player mode? Uh, yeah, this is Mike. I'll take that one. Um, shot compositing is something that I pushed really hard for earlier in the year because, um, you know, as you know, signature style and, and signature jump shots is a huge part of our game. And um, we were getting to the point where, frankly, it was tough to manage all the content. There's just, um, you know, we, we run into memory issues sometimes. We, we add so many animations to the game. And so shot compositing, what it does is it allows us to kind of mix and match two animations together and um, kind of Frankenstein them together, if you will, into a new animation. And so what, uh, what we wanted to do was be able to take the lower body portion of a, of a player of, the, of a given jump shot and add on any other type of upper body to them, like so the shooting form. So basically what, what you come down to is, you know, we have, in the past we've had maybe, you know, 200 or so stick shots in the game, and uh, now that we have the shot compositing feature, you know, it, it's exponentially increased. We're somewhere, I think, in the neighborhood of maybe 19,000 unique combos you can create, and that's just the standing jump shots alone. So if you add on all the different types of shots in the game, the, the pull-up jumpers, the spin jumpers, step-back jumpers, uh, you're looking at, you know, you might see upwards of 30,000-plus unique jump shots in the game. So it's a really cool uh, piece of tech for us and something that you asked how is it integrated into MyPlayer. Um, in the Create Player interface in the MyPlayer, when you go to create your, your character, um, if you, can go to the, you can go to the Signature tab, and in there, the first thing that you can do is set your player's shooting form. And that's kind of like what I was talking to, to about before, is the, the upper body release and how he shoots the ball. And then uh, you can also set uh, kind of the base of the shot. So you can set if, whether he's a set shooter or he's got, you know, flailing legs, he kicks out high or whatever you want to do. And um, basically it builds that shot for your character and, and you can create so many different looks and so many different styles that it really just adds to, adds to the, uh, the replayability of the game and the fun of making your player. Wow, thank you, Mike. That's uh, really incredible. Um, moving in here, going back to uh, the overview that Eric laid out earlier, uh, we're going to get into a little bit more specifics. The next question is, how difficult was it for the team to scrap the draft combine, knowing that it was a pretty big part of the franchise over the last two years? 
this is Eric. I'll jump back on these. Um, you know, with NBA 2K, we're always looking to evolve the game, uh, change it up, make people interested from year to year. Uh, the draft combine was a lot of fun, but this year was all about the hype of getting to the NBA and the excitement in getting there. Uh, so in that regard, uh, you know, you've got to make decisions and not look back on them. I thought it was pretty easy to do. Uh, so far, the feedback has been uh, through the roof for anyone who's played the mode up to that point. Uh, and I definitely believe in continuing to evolve features and will continue to do so in subsequent years. All right. How did the draft interview process come to life? What sort of research was done to determine the types of questions? So I'm always interested in uh, some of the off-the-court experiences. I think we've done exceptionally well in my player in the last couple of years in nailing the, the on-the-court experience uh, and just that game-to-game -game routine. Uh, with this year as my player, I was really, really interested in kind of expanding on that off-the-court experience and that whole building your persona, giving yourself a personality. And, uh, you know, the draft, or the uh, pre-draft interviews was a great way to do that while kind of tapping into, you know, something that really takes place in the real world uh, that hasn't really been, you know, represented in any sports game, really. Um, I mean, these teams are going to be investing millions of dollars into these players. So they definitely want to sit down with them, get to know them, kind of feel them out, see what they, you know, where they're from as a person, what they think of the team, you know, for the team that's interviewing them. Uh, just a really interesting thing. As far as what kind of research was done, uh, we're very fortunate to have access to a lot of players, um, you know, GMs, coaches. So I was able to kind of, and while many of them wouldn't tell me the exact questions they ask, and I totally understand that, they really gave us a general rundown on the types of questions they ask and what they're kind of looking for with the players. And, and we really translated those, you know, those direct answers right into the game. So the questions you're going to be asked are authentic in that regard, that you know, they're going to be along the lines of exactly what these players are asked when they're going through the process of becoming an NBA player, and our fans will do that this year as well with their players. Cool. Thanks, Eric. Next question is, my player is a great mode, but still has problems with a good scoring system without being a point guard. Has this been modified? Uh, yeah, we've done a ton of work to our teammate grade this year. Uh, specifically, we felt point guard was, was pretty decent. Uh, I mean, it had a number of improvements, but it was really all about helping the user uh, when playing, specifically with you know small forward, power forward, center roles. It's a little more challenging to get the teammate grades. Uh, just overall, the logic for it is a lot smarter. Uh, we've gotten rid of a lot of those a lot of those edge cases where you would be docked for something that, you know, is very situational, uh, such as being docked for a bad shot attempt on a last second shot when really there is no bad shot. You know, for a last second shot, uh, you'll see things like that are just cleaned up, and you'll be you won't be docked for just needless things in the future. Um, and the other aspect of it is it's just. You know, the teammate grade drives the, whole, drives the whole experience for the user. And anytime you kind of see something that doesn't make sense to you, you really feel like you're kind of pulled back from that immersion, you know, factor of being there. Uh, so this year I can say we definitely spent a lot of time on that and should be a lot more pleased with, you know, the brains that's driving the mode this year. Right on. Uh, can you create a player, then play as him in creating a legend? Uh, creating a legend is all about kind of taking over the career of an NBA player and, and you know, turning him into a legend. Uh, if you want to create a player, we have this really, really cool mode called My Player that I would recommend people try out. Then the final question we've got in the My Player section is, will David Stern and or Adam Silver show up anywhere else in the game besides during player mode draft rounds? Uh, David Stern and Adam Silver are highlighted in the My Player stuff, but they also appear in the various franchise components of the game, offline and online, uh, where David Stern will be handling round one. And, uh, of course, we have Deputy Vice Commissioner Adam Silver on board this year handling round two. So, And, of course, you you'll see Stern and the championship celebration and all that good stuff. But primarily their, focus, their attention is focused on the draft content. Right on. Thanks, Eric. So uh, let's move into some questions, get Mike on the phone here.
Um, next question is, what would you say is the biggest improvement over NBA 2K11? And maybe you guys both want to chime in here. I'll let Mike go first. Go for it. Oh, wow. Biggest improvement. Um, you know, for me, and I'm involved in gameplay, and, and for me, it's, I'm always going to say the on-court experience. I mean, that's something that we, it's our bread and butter, and it's something that we spend a lot of time on. It's something we take a lot of pride in. Um, and, you know, there's just so many different areas that, that get touched every year. And, you know, NBA 2K11 is, is such a strong title that, um, you know, we, we, we felt like we had to work extra hard this year to make those improvements noticeable. So, um, you know, and we'll talk about more in detail later some of these other questions, but the post game being completely revamped is really cool. The, the, the shot stick got a huge upgrade this year. Uh, just a number of different things on the court that, that make the game fun for me. Uh, for me, uh, the single biggest improvement, uh, gameplay is a ton. It's a blast this year, um, but uh, Mike has that part covered. So I'm going to go on something else that I think was the single biggest improvement, and that's uh, it's actually the NBA's greatest feature. Uh, taking a look back at this feature from, you know, concept to where it is now, uh, it's really mind-boggling to me that we have, you know, 34 classic teams in the game, uh, you know, with up to 10 and 11 players per roster, uh, complete with heads and signature shots and just all of the commentary that, you know, Steve Kerr and Kevin Harlan and Clark Kellogg just rambled on and on about in our studio for these guys. Uh, just Once you get that mode in your hands and you start playing it, I think only then can you truly appreciate uh, the amount of work and level of detail that's gone into it. So I think just retelling that history of the NBA through that mode, I think is probably our single biggest achievement in NBA 2K12. All right, guys. Now going with that, the next question is, NBA 2K11 is considered by many to be the greatest basketball game ever made. What kind of pressure did that put on you when creating NBA 2K12? Um, obviously, NBA 2K11 was a huge success, like I, I led with. Uh, I think there was a lot of pressure, you know, not just from our fans, but also ourselves on, you know, taking NBA 2K12 just to, to absolute new levels and just leaving NBA 2K11 behind. Uh, I think our single biggest critics for the NBA 2K franchise is ourselves. Um, we have a very experienced development team, a very competitive development team, and one that really, I think, pushes each other uh, constantly on various aspects of the game. Uh, you know, like Mike and, and Rob Jones and Zach and Jerson and those guys, they really manage the gameplay side of things. But, I mean, I absolutely have no problem walking over and talking to them about things, and they do the same thing for me. So we're really just one, you know, cohesive team uh, that's really looking to push not just the, the, the basketball market, but just pushing the sports game market and even bigger, the video game market as a whole. Uh, and we're always trying to innovate, and uh, I think those are the biggest challenges for us is to keep, just to keep going. I mean, it's it's... Uh, that came out wrong. Uh, we're, keeping going is very easy. I mean, we're very motivated in that aspect, but we just want to continue to to innovate and push and just kind of lead not just that sports market, but the video game market in general. So that's that's my take on it. Yeah, so to piggyback on what Eric is saying, um, the, the development team here is, is a really unique team in that you know we, we don't we don't like to settle for things. And um, you know if you look at kind of our track record, track record, I think it speaks to that. But if you were to come here just to meet the guys who work here. Um, it's incredible. I mean, we, we're constantly just challenging each other. And, you know, I don't think you can go to, you can go to any, any of the developers in our studio and ask them, you know, do you feel like you've created the ultimate basketball game? And we'll all say no. We, we all feel like it can go a lot further. And there's a lot of work we have to do still. And we're going to keep pushing and keep pushing every year. And there's nothing that, you know, we don't, we don't consider, you know, last year's game being great. Uh, something that puts pressure on us. It's more that you know, we're happy, we celebrate it, but we're 
you know, the day that game ships, we're already working on the next one. And so we don't ever stop, and we just continue to push the envelope, and that's, that's what makes this, game, this uh, game team so great. Yeah, guys, and I think the product really shows the passion that you guys have for, for the game. Uh, moving on to the next question, uh, it says the legendary players and teams in the game obviously took a great deal of effort to implement, and to many NBA fans, they're a terrific way to celebrate the league's history. Is this the beginning of the NBA 2K series broadening its scope? Can we expect even more of the NBA storied history to become part of the series going forward? Uh, I'll take that one. I think to answer that, we're just going to have to stay tuned. I mean, there's definitely, we have a lot of ideas, you know, kind of on our plate with uh, the NBA 2K franchise. Uh, but I think today we're just celebrating uh, NBA 2K12 and trying to get to as many questions as possible. So for the answer of what, what's coming, uh, just stay tuned. Right on, guys. Now let's jump into uh, some specific gameplay questions. This is a pretty big chunk, so this is going to be exciting. Uh, kicking things off, can you discuss some of the changes that have been implemented to the post-game? Yeah, the post game was something that um, we felt needed a big boost this year, and uh, it was something that uh, Zach and I spent a lot of time designing. And I think that if you play the demo at all, I think a lot of the feedback has been that it's one of, been one of the biggest upgrades to uh, the gameplay this year. Uh, for starters, you um, you engage in the post now with the Y button on the 360 or the triangle button on the PS3. Uh, so it, immediately it makes it a lot easier and accessible to most people just to get into and out of the post. Um, and then... From there, we, we just wanted to get movement to feel right, and that's something that the old post game really couldn't handle because if you weren't near a defender, basically you couldn't be in the post, and that was a problem that we felt that needed to be resolved. And so this year, um, if you hit the Y button on, on 360 or the triangle on PS3 and, and you get into the post and you engage in the post, whether you're with a defender on your back or not, you can still play in the post. And so that's something that we felt needed to be there. You have a real freedom of movement to move in any direction while you're posted up. Um, and on top of that, we just added a ton of new moves and shots. Um, you know, we, we just basically watched a lot of um, some of the greatest post players out there. You know, Hakeem Olajuwon was a big uh, inspiration. Um, and also the power players like uh, Old School Shaq or Dwight Howard. Uh, Carmelo Anthony is another guy that, that has a lot of moves in the post. And we just wanted to be able to replicate uh, some of the things you could do there. And I think that that's, you know, something that as designers that we, we have the, uh, I guess the luxury of having is we have... Um, the real NBA to watch and model our game after. So it makes things really easy. You know, you watch games and you see an awesome move and you go, oh, we got to capture that, we got to get that into the game. And that's uh, something that we were able to do with the post game this year. So it's just the dozens of new shots and moves. And on the defensive side of things, there's a, there's a very intricate counter system so that on defense, kind of last year, you felt a little bit like you just waited and waited for the offensive guy to make a move and then you tried to steal it or block it. Uh, now you can be a little more proactive, and you can kind of guess which way he's going to go, which way he's going to shoot. And if you guess properly, you can cause um, kind of a defensive win, uh, so to speak. So it's um, it's a lot more fun to play. It's kind of its own little mini game within the game, and uh, I think people are going to have a lot of fun with it this year. Right on. Thanks, Mike. Uh, passing still seems to plague basketball games in general. What has been done with 2K12 to improve passing this year? The passing is a very challenging feature to work on. We've, we've, we've thrown all of our engineers at it at one point or another. Um, I think the biggest thing that, that we wanted to address with passing is, uh, is targeting players. And so I think that um, just re reworking that logic of, of who to choose when you're pointing the stick. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, they point the stick toward the guy and, and they, they press the button and they expect it to go a certain way. And another guy might do the exact same thing and expect a different guy to catch it. So it's a, it's a really big challenge, but... I think it's a little bit tighter this year. 
Uh, another thing that people complained a lot about was um, lead passing and cheese and being able to kind of jerk guys around the court uh, against their momentum. And um, that's something that we try to resolve as well. So there's a lot better uh, just uh, contextual catches and uh, consistency of movement into the catch this year. So it's a little more realistic. Um, you can throw the ball ahead on players on the break, and I think that's a neat little, little addition to the game. You know, guys, they'll, they'll throw that, that kind of Hail Mary bomb pass, and then it'll hit the floor, and the player will catch up to it. So there's a lot of little things in passing like that that I think um, kind of add up to make it a little bit stronger this year. What improvements have been made to the AI, both on the offensive and defensive end of the court? Uh, this one could be long, so I'll try to hit some highlights. Um, I guess if I take a step back and look at what kind of the the main goal was for the AI, and it is for us every year, is really just to make it feel like you're not playing against a drone. We want it to feel like you're playing against another user. And so um, to that end, um, I guess offensively I'll start with that. We wanted to make sure that all the AI players had all the same weapons that the user does. And that's something that's kind of overlooked, and it was at least overlooked last year. And for 2K12 it was a big push that we wanted to make sure the AI could do all the moves and do them in the right context and do all the shots that the user can pull off. And there's so many shots this year that um, it, it really makes the AI even look more dynamic, just the fact that they're using some of these new weapons. And um, so along with that, too, it's just, I guess, using them in the right context. And one of the things that we added uh, last year is this concept of, uh, I, always, I like to call flick flicks. And basically what they are, they're, they're pump fakes that chain into step throughs or up and under moves. And the AI is just sm much smarter uh, at using those at those uh, using those weapons as well this year. So it's something I think you can even see in the demo that um, a lot of people are are you know giving the feedback that Dwayne Wade is just a killer with it. He'll might spin into the lane, throw a pump fake that usually you couldn't. You let you flash you couldn't even do. He would be forced to go into a layup. This year he can pump fake out of that and then switch directions and flip it up on the other side or something. And so it, it's it's fun to play against the, the AI this year. So it feels like they're you know, they're thinking on the court and they're reading and reacting to the situations that the user would do. Um, and defensively, there was just a lot of, a lot of work done to uh, defensive rotations, to um, pick and roll defense, to uh, help defense. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. I could probably talk for days on how much time we spend on the AI, but um, I just play the demo, uh, pick up the game next week, and, and you'll see for yourself. It just feels a lot like you're playing more like a human, playing against another human. Right on. What improvements have been made to the presentation of NBA 2K12? That's also also a tough one to answer. I will lead off, uh, you know, by saying for the eighth time on this call that uh, we, there was a developer insight on this. It was actually released today, uh, so definitely log on, give that a quick read. Uh, a couple of my favorite highlights on the presentation side are, you know, the inclusion of Steve Kerr into the game this year. Uh, for the first time, the NBA 2K series uh, has a three-man commentary booth. Uh, and I've seen so many games try this and fail in the past, and I think what really sets our game apart is, you know, watching those other games and seeing what they did. You know, they would just kind of bring in a third guy, have them read along with the script with the previously recorded audio, and you could tell plain as day that the person was just, you know, reading off of their script and wasn't really interacting directly with, you know, the other commentators. Uh, what we did this year is we actually brought all three guys in simultaneously. So they were sitting at the table with a mic in the middle, you know, the rapport was tremendous. They were just playing off of each other. And you can really see that in the, in the game. You'll see the, the commentary is very organic. Uh, it's painfully obvious that uh, those guys were side-by-side side during the entire recording session. Uh, some of the other things that I really like to point out are uh, in, the, in playoff games, you'll see the crowd wearing the team-specific colored shirts, kind of like they do, like the whiteout in Miami. 
uh, that's you know a cool little a little boost to the, the playoff atmosphere. Um, one of the things talked about in the insight today was the the broadcast dynamic camera, which is the broadcast stadium. Uh, we actually have you know custom uh, camera angles for every stadium in the game. You know when you watch it on TV, every stadium is kind of built a little differently architecturally, and they place the cameras in different places for each arena. And we've really really recreated that. So some teams like Phoenix will be you know kind of zoomed out and very high up. Uh, some some other teams are obviously very closer. Lower in the lower in the bowl, so it really gives you a different feel of kind of recreating that true television broadcast when you're watching the game. Um, other things you'll notice, uh, obviously improvements to you know the halftime show, uh, the player of the player of the game performance. I know we've all seen the teaser and the demo. Uh, that stuff's really really amazing. Uh, just lots of different things throughout. Um, playoff specific kind of a starting lineup thing. It's just different different things to really set the game apart from the different you know times of the season. So some pretty exciting stuff there. Right on. Um, going back to what you were talking about earlier with the uh, broadcast crew, the next question is, presentation is clearly a big part of this year's 2K. The broadcast crew has remained intact, but I'm curious as to how many man hours were spent in the booth to update the commentary. How much of that was devoted to the early era games? Oh, I definitely wouldn't say the commentary has been, the crews remained intact. It was definitely with the addition of Steve Kerr. Uh, Doris did come back. Uh, I don't know exactly how many hours we had for each and all combined, uh, but they were constantly here during the year, so it had to be a lot. Uh, but I do want to tell one really cool story about the early era games, obviously the NBA's greatest games. So we actually had, you know, like we do with any recording session, we had full scripts ready for Kevin Clark and, and Steve. And when they came in, we told them about the feature we were doing. They were very excited. I thought it was a really cool way to honor the NBA, and Steve had a lot of jokes he wanted to make about commenting on himself in the game. And we gave them the scripts, and they kind of looked it over and said, wow, these are great. Uh, is it cool if we just kind of ad-lib this ourselves? And uh, we were like, sure. If you want to, want to give it a shot, go ahead. And uh, the end result is really, really cool, because you can tell these guys aren't reading from a script. They're just sitting around a table uh, telling stories about each and every player that you play with in those games. And it comes off incredibly well. And it's uh, one of the many, many, many reasons uh, why I think the NBA's greatest is probably the strongest feature in the game this year. So, yeah, I think uh, the commentary on that, outstanding. Right on. Next question. Play calling felt a little limited in NBA 2K11. How has this system been expanded for 2K12? Uh, the play calling system is amazing this year. And that's, I mean, the first thing we did was we actually enlisted some outside help. Um, a guy who uh, is a very, very uh, avid 2K gamer and a guy who coaches basketball and might as well be a scout for the NBA. I mean, he knows every team inside and out. And, and when he came in, he basically... We, we sat down and, and sat down in a room and, and just figured out, wanted to figure out everything that was missing. Um, so one of the biggest additions was this idea of branching plays and um, something that a play needs to do is it needs to flow. And in last year's game, they were kind of on these set paths, and uh, you, once you were on that path, you couldn't really deviate from it. And with this year's game, um, you know, you, you, you start going along with your play and you, you follow the steps as they, as they appear on screen. Um, but depending on what the defense does and how it reacts to the play, the play can branch out into different options. And it's one, thing, one of the things that's really opened up the game, both for the user and also for the AI. The AI just makes them so much smarter. They don't force, they don't force the issue this year because they can you know, read and react to the defense and, and make a smarter play and change the action on the fly. Um, so that was a huge change. Another big thing f for us was, um, I guess, making the plays fit the players better. So what we did this year was we, we set up this kind of archetype system where 
Um, each player was given um, an archetype or maybe several archetypes. So a guy like Kobe Bryant would, you know, his archetype would be maybe isolation or it could be, um, you know, a, whatever, a, a post player. It could, be, it could be all these different, different things and aspects of, of his game. And what the play system does is it, it can feed into that system and know what kind of player he is and call the right plays for that player. Um, uh, and to that end, we also wanted to make sure that they could have more than, I think it was last year, maybe four, I think it was just four plays per player, something like that. Uh, this year, the, I don't even know what the limit is, but there can be dozens of plays for, guy, for one guy. So you'll see a different look each time down the floor uh, when Kobe attacks you, and you, know, you won't always get the same outcome. And so it's a lot stronger this year. Um, it's something I, you know, I, it just adds a lot to the game, and I can't really, um, I guess, underscore how important it is to make the AI smarter when they have a, a more robust play, system, play calling system. Right on. Thanks, Mike. Did you ever consider adding a flop action to the game? Uh, first, I actually agree with Jeff Van Gundy on this one, that the flop is a disgrace to basketball and shouldn't be allowed. But uh, since it is still in the league and a lot of players do it, unfortunately, um, we have it in the game already. Um, something you can do if you, if you take a charge while a player is posting up and if he does his aggressive you know, shoulder charge at you and you time it right, then you can actually flop and, and get the call sometimes and sometimes not. So it's actually in the game this year. All right. How much of an advantage will the blowout dribble become? A lot of people are worried it can be used as a cheese tool online. Will it be easy to defend against, or is it one of those things that you need the right opportunity to execute? It's definitely something that you need to know how to use. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, yeah, I, I understand that, that concern that, you know, you get a blowout dribble and you get ahead in the break and you get an easy layup or dunk every time, but it's really not that simple. You have to have open space in front of you. If you try to, blow out, if you try to do the blowout dribble, you know, in traffic, you'll almost always lose the ball. Um, but it's something that, you know, it's something that the dribbler, um, it's something that we just call it in the house, and that's just the ball handler. It's something that we felt needed to be uh, more accurate to real life because when you, you know, when you're running the break, it's, it's an exhilarating time. It's something where um, guys are really exploding out and trying to get, some, get, get an advantage in transition. And so that's something that the blow dribble provides for us this year. And, and, you know, it's a useful tool, but it's also something you have to be a little bit careful with. Right on. Next question. In accordance to gameplay against the AI, are special players going to play more like their real-life counterpart? Last year, Blake Griffin played like a typical big man, and he was very slow and lumbered down the court. In actuality, he has the ability to outrun everyone down the court and does not play like a prototypical power forward with his unique skill set. It was kind of a, a two-part question there. It sounds like, um, one, are they going to play more like their real-life counterparts? And that's something that you know, we really pride ourselves on it. And that's kind of a, I guess if I had to break it down, it's kind of a twofold uh, process to replicate players. It's, it's their animations that they're allowed to use, as well as the logic behind using those animations and kind of how they play on the court. Um, so, you know, we have a very, very complex tendency and ratings uh, system under the hood that, um, that we take a lot of pride in. And that's something that, you know, it makes the players do what they're supposed to do uh, based on their real-life tendencies. Um, and animation-wise, that's something that we always are pushing for. We try to get it that, you know, a, a guy like Blake Griffin has the dunks that uh, Blake Griffin has. He's got a new dunk package this year. Uh, you know, a lot of players do. They have, they have, uh, you know, Derek Rose is another guy that got a got a big, uh, big boost to, um, you know, his animation set. Uh, basically, it's something that we we always always trying to push and trying to always, always trying to improve on. And I think it's a lot better this year. And the second part of that was, you know, will he move? like a typical big guy, very slow. Um, 
In-house, we have this thing. It's called a motion system, and it's uh, basically it's all the movement that a player does when he doesn't have the ball. And um, uh, our lead AI engineer worked on it, and, and it's, it's a lot stronger this year. Movement's a lot more tightened up. And I think what you'll find is that uh, you'll see a much more distinct difference between you know, the bigger kind of lumbering uh, centers versus the more athletic, almost guard-like big guys like Blake Griffin. So I think it comes through pretty well this year. Cool. How much will player ratings affect runners slash floaters? Okay, so this is another neat thing that we added this year. This is this idea of, uh, I think we just call it abilities. Yeah, and what, what abilities are, so in the past we've had, you know, these tendencies, a tendency to do a runner, a tendency to do uh, a spin jumper, a tendency to do a euro step. Um, and that was basically, you know, if a player was is put into that kind of situation where one of those, one of those uh, moves or shots would be appropriate, um, the tendency system would say, okay, this is how often he likes to do that move in that context. Um, what we didn't have was a way to differentiate the abilities of a guy to do that certain move. So a guy, I'll come back to Derek Rose since he's like my favorite player right now. Um, he is amazing at shooting runners and floaters. And that's something that we didn't really have a rating for. So this year, uh, I don't know how many there are, maybe Eric knows, but there's you know a bunch, basically all of the shots and all of the moves in NBA 2K12, um, each player has a rating for those moves and shots. And so it makes us be able to differentiate the guy who likes to do something and also how good he is at doing something. So it, the ability rating is, is where we try to make that come, come through. Right on. For all the hardcore 2Kers, how big of a jump are the difficulty levels? Uh, I'm not sure if I can answer that one uh, or qualify it with uh, how hard it is. But it's something that uh, I guess one, one thing I will talk about with difficulty levels is we wanted to remove um, AI cheating. <laughs> and that's something that in the past we've kind of had to do uh, to make the game more more challenging is make the AI just, um, I guess, just be able to do things that a user couldn't do. And that's something that wasn't really fun and, and wasn't really you know, a way that we wanted to balance the game, but we kind of had to out of necessity. And, and for NBA 2K12, I think what um, the big push again was was to make the AI just smarter in doing things that a user would do, but doing doing them, um, I guess, in an intelligent way rather than doing it in a cheating way. So, uh, you know, when you get to the Hall of Fame, that's the highest difficulty level, and you play against the AI, you know, if they take the same shot as you, uh, in the past, they would just get a bigger boost, and they, that's how they beat you. But this year, they get the same the same shot percentage that you would get. Um, and the difference this year, though, is, is that they might just be better at finding that shot or finding that opportunity. And so I think that that's something that, uh, for me, again, it goes back to what we try to do with the AI. We, we want the AI to feel like you're playing against another user. And as you go up the difficulty levels, you'll just find that you'll feel like you're playing against a more experienced 2K gamer. Right on. Uh, what are some of the main takeaways from the improved shot stick? Um, probably the main takeaway is that you can do anything you want. <laughs> um, the shot stick is something that, um, you know, we we love the feature just because it gives us so much flexibility. It's basically just having like eight more buttons on the on the on the on the sticks, and it's something that allows us to, to do basically any shot that um, that we see on TV. And for this year. Expanding that was important, and so I guess the main takeaway is that you can just do pretty much any shot that you see in real life. Um, 
there's one thing that I like to, to do a lot and, and that was added this year is called the escape dribble pull-ups. And that's uh, basically it's, it's the idea of if you're standing dribbling or you're in triple threat, if you hold down the dribble shot modifier and use the right stick, um, you can kind of launch off into these really aggressive first step, hard, hard first step animations right into a dribble pull-up. And different players, based on their ability, have different kind of looks and different kind of uh, abilities to get off quick shots. And, um, yeah, I guess takeaways is the shot stick is a lot more flexible. There's a lot more you can do. Um, and that's another thing that I guess I'll, I'll, I'll talk about with the shot stick is that um, we really wanted to, uh, what's the word? I guess the word would be freedom. We wanted to give the user the freedom to create things. Um, you know, I think in past versions of our game, people really gave us great feedback that the game looked so beautiful, but maybe you didn't always have control over what you wanted to do. So you, you'd kick off something on the shot stick, and then you were kind of relegated to sit back and just watch what the animation did for you. And with 2K12, and I think going forward to future versions of our game, we really want it to be that, that the user is the one who decides what happens on the court. So with the shot stick, the coolest thing about it is that you can kind of kick off a shot, but there's so many different branch out points, so many kind of escape points to that shot now that you can, um, as you kick off something, say you kick off a spin layup, and you see the defense collapsing on you, uh, now at any time during the spin layup you can, you can pass out of it, or if you want you can... Um, pump fake out of it, and like I said before, with the flick flicks, you can step through or do some kind of up and under shot out of that out of that layup. So there's just a lot of ways to create um, kind of those highlight plays that you see on TV, and, and that's something that uh, 2K basketball I think is it stands apart from some of the other sports games in that um, you know the user it, it, it's a game that looks beautiful at all times, but it's also a game that now you can feel like you're doing exactly what you want to do on the court at all times. Right on. Thanks, Mike. And sticking with that topic, uh, let's jump down to the next question. Each player's jump shot is usually animated almost exactly like his real-life jump shot. However, it looks like each year, each player's jumper is tweaked uh, to make it look even more accurate to the real thing. Can you explain the process you guys go through to update something that appears so tedious and probably trivial to the casual player? Well, tedious is a good word for this one, because this is something that I spend a lot of my year on. Um, the process, it's, it's actually really simple. Like I said, we, we have a great partner in the NBA, like Eric said before, and we have a lot of access to uh, game footage. And there's just, you know, it's a rough life, but I have to spend a lot of time just watching, watching games and watching players shoot. And um, from there, it's, it's uh, you know, going in and trying to match up what we have in the game to what we see on TV. And, or, you know, if we don't have it, then we have to bring in, we have to find talent, and we have, we have to find mocat talent to come in and, and try to replicate those shots. Um, but again, going back to that whole shot compositing tech that we talked about earlier in the call, um, one of the reasons I really wanted it is because you know we have so, you know we have a, a jump shot for a guy, say Kobe shot, um, but the way it was motion captured, the way that it came through out of uh, you know from that data, maybe it didn't look quite right. Maybe the the upper body looked great, but maybe his legs were a little off, and that's what I found with Kobe is that his I didn't like how his legs looked last year when he jumped, and so with shot compositing. It was so much easier. What I did with basically all the players in the league this year was, was look for those two pieces individually. So I took the upper body that Kobe had last year because I thought that was spot on and then just went through each of the different lower bodies in our game to find the right, uh, you know, the right gather, compression, and kind of leg pose that, that Kobe would have. And um, with that flexibility of that system, it's, it makes it it's hard and makes it more difficult because, like I said, there's like 19,000 combinations you can do. 
but at the same time, it for me makes life easier because I can just go through each of those um, different shots and try and find the right one. Um, but you know, signature shots—it's something that again, 2K Games is kind of known for. It's expected now, um, and it's something that uh, that we love and something that I personally love to do is just make the game look as, as authentic as possible. So uh, it's a tedious process, but a fun one as well. Okay, so this next one is kind of a two-in-one question. Will NBA 2K12 feature a hot-slash-cold streak during a game? Everyone saw LeBron shut down later in the playoffs based on his performance. Is there an in-the-zone attribute that dynamically changes for shooters like Jordan? I kind of feel bad for LeBron. <laughs> I do, too. Poor guy. <laughs> we don't have any code in the game that just says LeBron stops playing in the fourth quarter or anything like that, but um, we do have a hot-and-cold streak system. Uh, it's actually been in the, in the game for several years now. Uh, this year has refined it a bit. Um, what it, how it works is basically is as you do things on the court um, that are positive, you know, you get, a, get a rebound, get a steal, um, get an assist, make a shot. Um, it kind of makes your player, uh, it, it warms him up until he gets uh, hot, and then there's this little icon that comes up on the screen that kind of lets you know, oh, you know, this guy's hot now, you should probably use him. Um, and what that hot, being hot does is it kind of boosts that player in, in a number of different areas. Um, the same thing if he's cold. If you, start, if you start to miss shots with a guy, you know, shot after shot, he, he starts to get colder and colder, and, and so that's, that's there. Um, as for kind of this in-the-zone attribute, um, like I said, we don't, we don't um, have anything hard-coded that says LeBron just shuts down, um, but we do have this uh, feature that's been in the game also for a long time called, um, what's it called, Clutch Factor? So clutch factor is um, kind of how we deem a player's ability to perform in kind of situations that, it, you know, that are deemed clutch. So en- ends of quarters, ends of um, important games, uh, things like that. So um, we use those kind of those two tools to replicate whether a player can, uh, can perform well in those moments or whether he kind of chokes and, and uh, pulls a LeBron. Right on. And uh, jumping back up to one that we skipped earlier while sticking on the while sticking on the shot topic, uh, could you guys discuss the team's usage rates from last season? Uh, for example, what was the most used team, the least used? And on that note, assuming the Heat were the most used team, uh, did you guys receive a lot of complaints about them being too powerful? Uh, I don't have in front of me who the least used teams were, but I know the three most used teams in order were the uh, the Heat, the Lakers, and the Celtics. Uh, and that's, you know, Heat aside, the Lakers and Celtics have been, you know, the most used teams for a number of years now. Uh, people just tend to gravitate to those teams, whether it gives them the best chance of winning or because they are the most popular teams in the league, whatever that case may be. Uh, as far as the Heat being too powerful, no, I really didn't feel like people – kind of complained about that. I mean, the big three are what they are, the two and a half, whatever you want to call them. Uh, whenever I play the Heat online, though, like, I know exactly how to beat them. I mean, you just got to gotta have strategy in this game. And I think in NBA 2K12, with the improvements they've made, you know, to play calling and calling specific plays for players, you really have all the tools you need to, you know, take down these difficult teams. Uh, when you play the Heat, just go after Joel Anthony and go after the other players. You know, don't try and, you know, beat LeBron off the dribble or Wade. Just focus on the areas that, you know, give you the best chance of winning. And so I don't, I don't really think that people think these teams are too powerful. And I think it's the Heat are an excellent team. And, you know, whenever you go up against them, you've got to use strategy to beat them or you're going to lose. Right on, guys. And with less than 10 minutes left on this call, I want to jump down to the online features. Uh, so first question we got in this batch, which multiplayer feature are you most excited about? Uh, 
So the, the feature that, the best multiplayer feature that I'm most excited about, we haven't officially announced yet, uh, even though everyone knows, it's the, uh, the Association Online. Uh, there's going to be a ton of detail on it tomorrow. I wrote a uh, fairly long developer insight that's going to you know, go up tomorrow and kind of detail all the nuances of the mode and kind of what's, what's going on there. Uh, the main thing to talk about it that makes me really excited is uh, I feel like I've been working towards this feature for a number of years now. Uh, for anyone who knows uh, me here, I'm a huge, huge franchise guy. I love the concept of running a team. And uh, for the last three or four years, I've really been putting in a number of features year over year that kind of were getting us to this point where I feel like we could unleash you know, this mode to an online world where up to 30 human teams are controlling, you know, controlling a team. And even the teams that aren't human controlled are still controlled by the CPU. And just getting the CPU strong enough to be able to, you know, be able to compete with a human was a big task for us and something that saw a lot of work this year. So it, it's really exciting for me, and I really can't wait for the feedback from our fans on this one. Right on. Uh, Has the team considered further punishing early quitters from ranked matches? Uh, I think we're always looking at ways to kind of make the rankings, you know, I don't want to say a little more fair, but to kind of incentivize people to finish matches uh, and, you know, obviously to punish them for quitting out early or just quitting out for whatever the reason may be. Uh, We made some tweaks to the formula this year, but it wasn't a huge focus for us. A major, major focus for us in online this year was just general connection quality, stability of the game. I mean, it's, you know, that's something that was obviously needed and was a major focus for us. So uh, continuing to kind of improve that was obviously a big thing for us. So online stability is definitely a very important thing for us. Great. And with that, uh, the last question we got in the online section is, the 2K series has received a ton of praise across the board in recent years, but the online play has suffered at times. Uh, can you add a little bit more specifics to what steps you've taken to ensure a smooth online experience in this year's game? Sure, I feel like I hinted on that just briefly now. Um, you know, with NBA 2K12, we re-gutted our, our architecture for server code. Uh, in years past, we've kind of been working on the client side. The online play as a whole is a very ginormous task, and it's not something that can be done, you know, simply in one year. But here we are, you know, on the back end of this, this rebuilding task, and I really feel like we've done the right things to put us in a place for success. So I think people who play online this year are going to know, going to instantly notice uh, just the sheer number of improvements in, in quality of play this year. And uh, finally, I do feel like we reached the point where we could, you know, unleash something like the, the association online and take advantage of this new architecture. Right on. And I uh, also want to hit a few other miscellaneous questions here. Uh, does the game make use of the PlayStation Move or Xbox Connect? Uh, PlayStation Move we support in full. Uh, for anyone who saw our thing at E3, we had Kobe, up, Kobe Bryant on stage there actually playing the, the Move. Uh, this is actually a really cool uh, feature we do with the Move. It's called NBA on the Move. Uh, it's on the PS3 only, obviously. Uh, and this is, uh, this is the mode that, uh, you know, Grandma or Mom can play. Uh, basically, you don't control the players in the court. They kind of, they're kind of running CPU, CPU plays. Uh, but all you have to do to play this mode is simply interact uh, and kind of step in whenever you want an action to happen. Uh, if you want a player to shoot the ball, you just simply pull the trigger and the player will stop where he's at, shoot the ball. Uh, if you wanted to pass to a different teammate, you can you know, point the cursor on screen at any player, press the top, the top button, and it'll pass to that guy. So you're kind of... Hello? I think it's a pretty, uh, a pretty unique feature for uh, kind of fans of all levels of uh, experience with our game. And even for myself, I do find it very enjoyable when I kind of just want to sit back on the couch, relax, not worry about the total control of the player. Even for someone like me, it's a really fun feature. As far as the Connect goes, uh, we're always looking at ways to, 
you know, kind of, someone asked me this yesterday, we're always looking at ways to enhance our game, and we're not going to use something just because we can. I really feel like we need to have a compelling reason to use a peripheral and, you know, really give our fans what they're looking for. And we have a ton of ideas for the Kinect, and uh, it's something we're, we're ongoing working with, uh, so uh, stay tuned on that one. Right on, and uh, I think we have time for one more question, and this is a biggie, of course, that it's on everybody's mind. If and when the NBA and its players resolve their differences, how quickly can gamers expect to see rookies assigned to clubs, and what's the overall plan regarding the lockout in NBA 2K12? To that end, if the season is canceled, let's hope not, what should gamers expect as far as updates to the game? All right. Um... So one thing we have this year is uh, to kind of, I like to call it the, that our game is lockout-proof. Uh, and while the lockout doesn't entirely directly affect our game, because pretty much NBA 2K12 is the only outlet for NBA fans to really get their game on, uh, but within our NBA Today feature, we have kind of a new addition to our game where, where you can stream, seamlessly download uh, content right to your, your consoles. And that content can be things like court floors or uniforms or player heads, such as rookies. Uh, tattoos, new shoes, uh, just anything you kind of see visually, we can kind of send down to the players. And this is really cool because we've never been able to do this. Uh, like last year, we kind of snuck in a court floor and a patch, but really we've always had to rely on just waiting for next year's game uh, before getting some of this down. So, you know, when the lockout comes to an end, there might be a team that's going to come out and say, hey, we have this new court floor, we have new uniforms. In years past, you know, fans just kind of had to wait for, you know, next year's game. Uh, this year, we can actually get the assets from the NBA, build them internally, test them, and release them to our fans right through our, our, our sync service. Uh, this is a, a free service. We don't charge for it. You just turn your game on if you're online connected and you don't have it. We just send it right down to you. So it really you know, blows open the doors as far as if anyone's concerned that they might feel like they're getting you know, a GIMP version of the game this year, they just feel like they're, they're missing something because of the lockout. We've really made our game lockout-proof, and we've really had you know, the best interest of our fans in mind with this feature. So I feel really good about what we did here. Uh, I don't think any sports game has really gone to the level of uh, detail we've gone on this one. Uh, it really allows us to do anything we want. And uh, one, one other aspect of it that we haven't really talked about much is the shoes part of it. I know I briefly mentioned we can do shoes, uh, but we actually have a deal in place with Nike and Jordan this year where we're going to be uh, downloading uh, signature shoes all season long. So whenever the LeBrons are released or the you know, the new Kevin Durant's or the new Mellows or the new Jordans, uh, those are going to be available in our game the day of release, and you'll be fully customizable within the Nike ID interface. So a lot of things going on this year. Uh, obviously, we had more features than we could talk about this year. Uh, big year for NBA 2K12, and I look forward to everyone picking it up next Tuesday and uh, sending us all your feedback. Yeah, so right on with that, uh, that concludes the NBA 2K12 developer conference call. I want to thank everyone for joining in on the line. It's been a pleasure working with you. I will be following up shortly, and uh, we'll end it with that, unless uh, Eric or Mike, there's anything else you guys want to add? Uh, I just personally wanted to say thank you to all our fans out there for continuing to support us uh, and giving you know, us all the opportunity to, you know, create this game year after year. It's a, it's a dream for me. I'm sure I can speak for Mike and for everyone here at 2K. Uh, thank you all so much. Yep, thank you guys. Right on, everybody. Um, catch you later. Bye. Good job, Travis?